The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Mike'sArchery.com. They're a one-stop shop for virtually everything archery, bow hunting, and for your next outdoor adventure. Mike's Archery has been at the top of the archery game for over 50 years, and they want to give listeners of the Redneck Tech Podcast 10% off their entire online store using the code REDNECK10, all one word. Just put the code in before you check out, and your boys will hook you up. The guys at Mike's have always been good to us, and now they can be good to you too. Visit Mike'sArchery.com and get your gear now. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. Welcome back, Redneck Tech Podcast, episode 149, where um, if you're watching on YouTube, we've already introduced people, but we have Hunter back again, guy who's interning with us, having a lot of fun. Hopefully, he's learning a few things. Um, obviously, Ryer, but is Ryer, myself, and then to my left. people don't know me? They do. What to, if they don't? They do. What do I do here? To my left is, to your right, to my left is Sims. This is my little boy. He usually is hanging out downstairs, but he decided today he wanted to come up and Listen on the headphones, so he might have a couple uh, good insights. Today. Can you say hello? Hello. What's your name? Sims. Sims, what's your last name? Copeland. Exactly. All right, so that's my little man. He is here hanging out. He likes to listen on the headphones and likes to hear himself talk, so he'll have a really good time watching this one back and listening to himself talk. So um, <laughs> if you hear random noises, that's probably... Um, <laughs> so what we're talking about on this podcast is we had... Ryer put out kind of a, a questions. Is it yesterday or day before yesterday? Yesterday. Yesterday. And we had quite a few questions. So um, on this podcast, you know, he can only do like 15, 30-second answers. We can do longer, but we don't. So what he's doing right now is he is going to pull up the questions so we can kind of expand on some of them because he answered them from he answered those questions from his perspective. Um, I have a little different take on some of them. Not not different as in wrong, but different as in I do things differently than he does. Sometimes they're different wrong. Sometimes they're different right. So um, it's that's uh, your opinion. We figured we would have um, we would have a we would expand on those questions some more. So that is what we're doing. You all right, buddy? Yes. Are you bored yet? Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like I'm done over it all. <laughs> So, um, what were the questions, Ryer? I guess we'll just jump right into them. I'm I'm going to the YouTube live also. Are I've you got it. I've, that? I've already got it. Oh, up. I see. It's yeah. on the top half of the yeah, screen. Yeah, I've already got it right here. Tim. I, yeah, Tim. What's we're up? gonna go over that in just a minute. What is he? He likes them all to cam like you. And I. It's the right way to do it. <laughs> Although I've, I've even saw a different way to do it today. Um. So the. First question is tips for blending music. I'm not doing that. I know that it's it's a, it's a low latency. So what you're seeing here, right. I'm explaining to I'm explaining to my son why on it's the YouTube live. It's, hey Sims, it's low latency. Surely you know what that means. So <laughs> you can see right here. So not like wave at the camera. See, look, wave. See it. That one's that one's like actually live. But if we go over to YouTube, it's a little bit of a delay. So watch it for just a second. Watch it for just a second, and you'll see the wave here in just a second. I'm waving. Well, he's not. He's, see, there's our wave. See, there's the wave. Oh, wow. We're, that's 
a solid 45 seconds no, behind. No, it's like 10, 12 seconds behind, I think. See, there's the wave. Ah. So it's not live. So we'll watch this one so you don't get jacked up again. Um, all right, first question was what? Say it again. Sorry. Tips for blending music. And Do you, uh, want, do you want me to start with my response and sure. you will amend it? Sure, go for it. I'm not going to amend anything. I'm just going to oh. give my take. Okay. Unless you're wrong, and then I will point that out. In which we will have an argument. Maybe we'll come to fisticuffs. <laughs> We're not sure. So, blending music. Maybe we should answer the question for my, maybe somebody that's listening that doesn't even know what blending music is. So, generally, um, if you are working with multiple audio tracks, uh, you're going to have ambient sound from your camera. You might have some talking, whether it's uh, from a lav mic or a shotgun or voiceover, and then you're also going to have uh, you're also going to have your music tracks. You may have some sound effects, whatever. Um, the process of figuring out where all of those things lie, volume wise, within your final edit is called sound mixing uh, or sound design. Yeah, or sound design. <laughs> Don't blow in the microphone. So, well, sound design technically is designing the sound. Mixing yeah. is... Yeah, you're right. Is, Sorry. Is, I'll defer that. Roger's right. Is Sorry. The act of actually figuring out how loud things are going to be uh, total and in relation to each other. Uh, so, when you are blending music specifically, um, you want to make sure, especially when somebody is talking, that... You can hear the person talking very clearly. The music doesn't overpower what they're saying. Uh, it doesn't distract from what they're saying and doesn't uh, clash with the, the talking. And so the easiest way to do that is called ducking, uh, music ducking. And so essentially what you do is you go find where somebody is talking. Uh, you can, Caleb does it this way where you cut your music track when somebody starts talking and cut your music track when they stop talking and then you literally just decrease the volume of that uh, generally with cross dissolves or what are yeah, they called um you do the constant power constant power the constant on the cuts power on and, the cuts and yeah, and, and I'll explain why I do that in a minute yeah and generally um, generally I'm decreasing the audio volume by about um, 10 decibels uh, so negative 10 decibels if you're in your um, system. And usually my my uh, base level of audio for my music is set at negative 10. So depending on how loud the track is, obviously that's a numerical number for the volume of the track. But if you're actually looking at levels, it it doesn't necessarily mean that the track is always at negative 10. There's other things related to that. But I set the track to negative 10 and then... When somebody starts talking, I decrease the volume by another 10 decibels. So it'd be roundabout negative 20. Roundabout. And, of course, it, it there are factors that play into that. How loud is the person talking? If you've got a really nice voiceover track, then you, you, you're probably fine. Like, they're going to they're gonna come through the music. Uh, if you have somebody whispering in, like, a tree stand setup or you have uh, very aggressive music with a lot of sounds going on, then you're going to have to decrease it more in order to separate your vocal track from your uh, from your audio track, um, and that the cutting is a really easy way to do it. I personally use keyframes, and so I don't actually 
physically cut my audio track. I use the pen tool, create one keyframe, create another one right next to it, go to the end of the person talking, find that spot in the uh, music, put two more keyframes, and then I drag the two inner keyframes down. And so when you're looking at the volume line in Premiere or your editing software, you'll actually see straight and then a little diagonal down to where it ducks and then a little diagonal back up. And that fade, you know, you want to start the fade a little bit before somebody starts talking and depending, uh, end it almost right before they begin talking. And then the same thing, when they stop talking, you want it to come back up. But you got to mess with kind of the length of that depending on a lot of factors. Some of it's just feel, but uh, you can do it that way. And Premiere actually has a tool in the Essential Sound panel that will do this for you. If you actually go through and you label the tracks that are dialogue, and then you go and label your music track, and then there's a little section in that panel that has audio ducking, and you set some parameters like sensitivity, um, the quickness of the duck, and how much. And then what it'll do is it basically goes and finds all the tracks that you labeled as dialogue and runs through those settings and actually gives you keyframes automatically. Yeah. And so RAR uses keyframes. The re- and there's a, there's a good reason, Tim, why I don't use keyframes. Because I use the cut method with the, with the constant power because if in the edit things shift left or right, whether you know I'm removing clips or adding clips or things like that, it's very easy to use your end tool to change that one cut to wherever you want versus deleting keyframes and adding keyframes right back. Um, it's just way faster for me, and that's how I've always done it. it you can move keyframes too, but it does take two clips, whereas if you use N, then you can just slide one clip. that around. I'm all about as few clicks. I mean, you've been over this. You're all about more clicks. I'm all about less clicks. That's not even true. That's the first time that you've ever said that. And I'm not all about... All you got to do is look at our folder structures and you're all about more clicks than me. That's organization. We're not talking That's about more clicks. editing mechanics. That's more clicks. We're not going to get into organization today. Okay, good. We'll just have an argument here for three hours. Good. <laughs> because less clicks is always where I go. That makes you a faster editor. And even if it's an extra two clicks, expand that over the course of an entire project. It starts to add up. Um, so I'm all about making the cut, constant power, I can move it in and out. I can shorten the constant power. I can lengthen the constant power. I can go in and fine-tune my audio a lot quicker than trying to grab a tiny little line and move it this way or that way. It's like those thing, all those things compound into taking more time for me as an editor. So I use the constant power. Click, 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 or click, cut, right-click, constant power, click, right-click, constant power. And I'm done. And then I can move that so anywhere I want to go. Huh? You want to shorten it? You can shorten it. I'm sure I can shorten it. There's a command something or shift command. So if you just made your cuts, two cuts, and then you select both of those audio clips, mm-hmm. or now you have three audio clips, and then you command shift D, it'll place your default transition on those clips. On the cut? On each cut. On both cuts? Centered on each cut. Oh. So that would the be... The only problem one, then... One, two, three, four. And yours would be... One, two, three, four. same amount of clicks. <laughs> cut, cut. Mm-hmm. Click again, select them all. Command shift four, that's four clicks. Mine's cut, cut, right click, right click. But you also right click, 
move, down, click. Because you have to select the effect. The we right should, click we should test this. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you got to drag it from... Um, yeah. I still think it's... I still In theory, think I think mine would be faster, but, you know. I mean, if you're just... I'm just trying to help you. You're all about those those marginal gains, as they call them. <laughs> I am. I'm all about marginal gains. So let's actually answer the question now that we've explained what it is. Well, the tip... So... That's that would be the mo- the, <laughs> the longest the longest explanation ever. Well, that's the point of this. <laughs> uh, tips for blending music: 12, is, 12 and a half minutes <laughs> is when you have talking, duck your audio. Um, if there's other things that you're like, just don't let your music overpower whatever it is you're trying to hear. Um, that, but that would be the most oftenly most often used instance. Of blending music, the only other thing that I sometimes will do is I have a and like three people ask me for this and I have to go find it because it's no longer in my presets because Premiere is stupid and when you change computers it doesn't keep all your presets so they're all gone uh, so I have to find every single preset that I've ever used again uh, and make them but I actually have a preset for a equalizer and equalizer that. Um, just kind of decreases the uh, some of the frequencies that clash most with the general frequencies of the human voice. Mm-hmm. So it almost, in a way, thins out the audio track without... If you click it on and off, you would know that I've done that, but somebody listening doesn't feel like the audio track has been thinned or it's yeah. missing something. Um, it just kind of decreases a lot of the frequencies so that you're not clashing. It's making room for the vocal frequencies, right? If you imagine your frequencies in, you know, a graphical uh, format, you know, from lowest to highest, what it's basically doing is wherever the human voice lies in that range of frequency, it's decreasing those, so creating a little trough, which your vocal frequencies can sit in. And so they kind of pop through. Yeah, so, and when I think of blending music, I, the, my, my first thought didn't go to where yours did. Where did yours go? Mine went to how can I marry two songs together or how can I take one song that has a section I don't like, cut those sections out, and make that essentially blending a song or two songs together to work in harmony, which... That could also be a, could be true. That's, is hard, that's, where my mind, that's where my mind went when could I first heard it. So that's kind of the way I'm going to do it is... It all is all based on beats or, you know, what we call beds. You know, there's a lot of times where you're watching, you know, it's almost like elevator music to where it's just literally background noise inside of a inside of a talking scene or a montage or something to where songs that don't really necessarily have a defined beat to where you can blend certain songs. You can lengthen songs. You can shorten songs. You can take sections out of the songs and move them around. If you need a section to be 30 seconds of the song and it's only 15, you know, learning how to use beats to essentially duplicate parts of that song to where you can make it as long or as short as you need. That's why, well, that was what was really confusing to me when I first got started in this was like a, a TV show's got to be 22 and a half minutes on the nose. It's like, well, you know, the song's two and a half minutes. You know, the song's two and a half minutes. Well, what if that doesn't, you know, work out to be exactly what I need it to be at the end of the show? 
Well, that's how you learn how to make those songs longer or shorter to work within the parameters of what you're doing. And it all has to do, that's why essentially the lazy way to edit for me is finding songs with big beats and like lots of rhythm and beats because you can take those songs and make them as long or as short as you want most of the time, depending on the song. Sometimes you get a song that's got some weird choir of angels in it or some random you know sound or something that you hate that there's no way to get around it without either scrapping the whole song or not making it what you want and that just depends on what song your song choice but um that was that was my first instance was like if you want to learn how to blend music and, and learn how to do it well quickly any type of hip hoppy song any type of song that's got a big beat in it those are the ones that you can really mess with lengthwise pace wise and a lot of times when I'm picking music, I'm looking at the waveform on the actual, um, like on whether it's uh, art list or whether it's Soundstripe or whatever. And you're going and you're listening to the music, trying to find the song. I like look look at this. I look at the waveform, and I see if the waveform looks constant the entire way through the song. I don't usually pick that song because it, there's no pace changes, and I want songs that have pace changes. I want you know you know, big fat sections and skinny sections and big fat sections and skinny sections because I can make those pace changes in my in my edit as well as if I need to lengthen that, you know, that faster, louder section, I can and I can remove that short, that, that quieter, slower section if I need to. So, I, I mean, visually, that's one way to find music as well. And that's a really good way to learn how to blend your music. And then finding a song that has a big beat and another song that has a big beat and you can marry those two things together. There's been many times I had the beginning of one song I really liked and the end of another song I really liked, and I married those two songs together somehow. It's hard to do, and it rarely works out because you'll never find two songs that are like exactly alike, but you can find them that are common enough, especially in hip-hoppy songs, um, to where you can kind of marry things together. But that was where I went when I heard music blending. Premiere also has a cool tool now that I honestly just used for the first time the other day because I've been doing it manually for however many years. Uh, but they have a music remix feature. Mm -hmm. It's in the Essential Sound panel. There's a few steps you have to do to get to it. Uh, but essentially what it does is, like, if you have a song, and this, I preface this because it only really, this would only, I would only use this for, like, I have a long section of dialogue. I don't really want the music to change that much. It's just kind of a bed of dialogue, and I don't need control over exactly where I make those shortens or lengthens or whatever. Uh, but it, it, it basically will remix it. You, you set it and say, okay, and maybe it's a minute 30. I want two minutes. And you put two minutes in, and it'll analyze the song and cut you basically a two-minute version. Mm -hmm. Or it's a minute and a half, I want it one minute, you can do that. The only problem, again, is like running anything um, automatically is now you don't get, you don't have control over where those cuts are, when those cuts are, or anything like that, but, um, you know, it's something to potentially use for yeah. select instances. What's your favorite music? What's your favorite song right now? Come and Take It. Come and Take It by Ted Nugent. Yes. What's your What's your other one? What's your other favorite song right now? Uh, I don't remember the name. Bob Brown. Yes. What is it? Barbara Ann. Barbara Ann by the Beach Boys. Can you sing it? Can you sing it? 
No, I don't want to. You don't want to? You, you sing about like your daddy. You probably shouldn't. Um, <laughs> have you guys used the multi-band compressor? Tim asked. Yes. I have not used it a ton, but yes, I have. I use it a lot on um, dialogue stuff, but I'm no expert in like deep audio. Yeah, me either. Mixing I know just techniques. enough about audio to be dangerous. So I, uh, I don't mess around with it a whole ton. I know that it's a very, very capable tool, and if I learned more about it, I'd probably be able to utilize it uh, a little bit better, but um, just haven't really necessarily needed to for mm -hmm. the most part. But I, I, do I do use it on, like, audio stuff. I guess while we're in the audio section, we've got more audio questions. Yeah, may as well. Um, one of them, I wonder if I could just make all of these check marks so then we can kind of jump around as need be beautiful look at that so we did this one tips for blending music um somebody asked where like recommendations on royalty free music so art list i said soundstripe it depends on what you're doing if you want something to where you have a, va a large library of music on a very low budget it's really hard to go wrong with art list um, we have subscriptions to like five or six of them, as well as we'll go and pull individual, sometimes multiple songs for bigger projects through Musicbed. Musicbed is very, very expensive. That's not something that you're going to want to use. They have great, great music, but um, a lot of times it's like major artists and they license their stuff to Musicbed. That's why it's so expensive. But it's really hard to go, go wrong with Artlist. Envato, Soundstripe, Epidemic Sound... Um, I, I, I in the past have had Epidemic licenses. Sound. That's the one I always forget. Yeah, I always forget that we have that one. Yeah, I pay monthly for that. So nobody's using it. Uh, I think Clay uses Epidemic yeah. Sound a lot. So, um, those are kind of the main ones that we use. I have used in the past for television. Um, Stephen Arnold. Um, there was one called Extreme Music. Uh, another one called First Com. First Com's a really big one. Um, but those ones are big music libraries. Big music license. libraries, yes. So you have you to license pay a the, bunch for you a, pay a massive ton. amount of songs. Um, television, they're generally a thousand to twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars an episode uh, to license those libraries. Um, so you're looking at you know twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year to use those libraries, which most most shows end up paying that for television. Um, that used to be the only way you could do it. Used to be. There, there didn't Art used list to changed be the, the game. Yeah. Art list changed the game, man. Thank God they did. It made life so much easier. So there's those are the ones that we use. I'm sure there's other ones out there. I know there's Pond Five. I know there's uh, Audio Jungle things like that. I've used those occasionally. Um, but the ladies' voice tag this Audio Jungle. Audio Jungle. Audio Jungle is like burned in my mind. So I try and avoid that website. Um. If you're looking for free, YouTube has an. It's called the YouTube Audio Library. It's and not. They have a bunch it's of free. not. It's not great, but it's they not do great, have but stuff. They do have free. Um, along with more audio, how do you manage your audio tracks? So, I like to block my audio. I like to block my audio tracks by type of audio. Uh, so the way it usually goes for me is um, A, 1, 2, maybe 1, 2, and 3 are uh, direct from camera audio. So channels 1, 2, 3, 4. Yeah, channels 1, 2, 3 um, are my direct from camera. And then 
underneath that. Uh, so we're just going to go underneath because sometimes I use more, sometimes I use less. But um, underneath that are my, I call them infield dialogues. So that's any talking in the field, whether that's with a shotgun microphone or more often than not a lav mic. And then underneath that is where I would put any uh, voiceover or narration. Uh, underneath those, I have my um, s sound effects, clips, a bunch of layers for that. Um, and then I've been going back and forth lately, but underneath those is ambient audio and then music. And generally, I always have at least two channels for each because um, I do a lot of overlapping. So you have one sound and then the next clip sound, and that way you can fade one clip sound down and fade the next one up. Um, and there's basically a seamless transition and uh, I like to do that because that way I can control how much before and after the cuts um, that audio starts coming in, and I can control how long each of those fades is really granularly. You don't necessarily have to do it that way. You can just make the cut and use a dissolve and shift the dissolve around, um, but I just like to have kind of more of a checkerboard, and then a lot of the reason why I manage the audio that way is because, and this gets into another question, um, I do use um, track presets, or I, not presets, track level effects in my edits. And those are mostly done uh, on any talking clips, but basically what the, that allows me to do is within Premiere, if I want to set uh, EQ limiters, compression, um, anything to sweeten that audio, any audio effects, I can do them at a track level so it applies to every single clip on that track uh, instead of copying and pasting it every time to every single clip. And so when you have, like, let's say, voiceover and it's all coming from the same person at the same volume um, with the same vocal voice characteristics, uh, you know, you find what sounds good for one section of that audio and then you just put it on the track and the whole thing goes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also great for just just making sure, you know, like all your all your talking ends up kind of in the same the same levels using compressors and limiters and, and things like that. Um, you know, if you've got a particularly uh noisy section, you know, you can use some some uh denoising at the track level like it just kind of makes it so if you have a lot of audio with the same characteristics you group it by tracks then you don't have to do a whole bunch of copy and paste work all that making sense simsy what that making sense no <laughs> so well, that's how i do it yeah. uh, i know that you both you and clay do not really checkerboard your audio not near guys. as much as you do. Like, I never go out of 10 channels. Uh, I mean, there's never, I've never really had a project, which I've never, I'm trying to think of like the biggest edit I ever did. Like, yours would have been a blue, yours would be Blue Stem or Hunt Masters. Like, I don't think I've ever actually ever had to take on an edit that extensive and for sound. Um, but yeah, I usually never go out of track 10. Yeah. So, I mean, I've only got five different layers of audio in there because I reserve one through four for onboard 
audio, lav mic, shotgun mic, and then um, I usually will put voiceover, sound effects, anything else in four through six of so those two channels, and then um, seven through ten is usually used for music. That's kind of how I do it. Yeah, the I also color code my audio tracks, but I do too. I also do it too because for me, it's very easy when I'm go and do my sound mixing. I can see immediately what all I have, and I know at a glance like the categories of it. And so, if there's a weird thing going on, or I'm not hearing something I feel like I need to be hearing, I can look and go like, "Oh, okay, there's a random clip here." Or this is I need to okay, his talking is yeah is weird so I need to go fix the talking and I boom I know that the talking is in this track and it's this color yeah and then I've also found that um, I think I I checkerboard the most you would be in between clay checkerboards the least mm-hmm. and when I've had to go and mess things around in clay's projects it's really hard to move clips because when you have this dense block of audio, yeah. if you want to move the video clip, which is fine, like the video clip just goes up and over. Yeah, but, you usually never have more than three of those, three layers of that. Right, so like up and over is fine, but all of a sudden you've got like this block, it's like a wall of audio, and you're like, well, okay, so if I need to move, I need to do this, i got to yeah. unlink these, i got to slide this. Yeah. So if I have it checkerboarded, if I need to move something, I just can slide it because mm-hmm. it's there's either not something next to it or there's a couple layers above or below where I can slide it and then if I got to remove some audio I can do it. Yeah, or duplicate, move things around, copy and paste to sound and ambient or yeah, something like that. It makes a it a lot easier. Yeah, I get into the trouble sometimes doing that when I need to copy and paste um ambient not having room for it. Yeah. And I have to like, make room for it. Yeah. It? That's that's very aggravating when you're in a groove and you're like, "Oh crap, I got to go make room for this freaking ambient." Mm-hmm. Really annoying. That's when I drag it out to the Outside of my project, and copy paste, copy paste, copy paste, grab it, grab it, and drag it all the way back in. Yeah. But what have you got? Any questions? Everything making sense so far to you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think. Yeah, that's y'all are going. I think really far into it. Oh yeah, we 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 don't know how to just scratch surfaces. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What else? Wide and mile deep. Good. What uh? We have we have one more audio. Good lord, a lot of audio questions. Uh, it's the hard part. So vo vo versus vosot. I had to look this up because I had never heard of VOSOT, but VO stands for voiceover. VOSOT is voiceover slash sound on tape. And according to Google, it's a technique often used in in especially news broadcasting where... If you'd ever watched the newsroom, you would know. I I have watched the entire thing. No, you haven't. You didn't pay attention, Ryer. I did. I just don't remember this one little piece. I'm upset. Be upset. I, I forget one piece. I'm sorry. Greatest series of all time, and you had to know. You had to look up what SOT was. Well, whatever. I looked it up. Now I know. Uh, VOSOT is the. I'm mad. Who doesn't even at, remember? I'm, ma- I'm mad at Ryer right now. <laughs> you know why I'm mad at Ryer? What? Because he didn't watch the show that he told me he watched. I watched I it. This is the part where you get a funny part. <laughs> I watched it. I watched what's the, the whole fu- thing. What's the funny part? That you just left. I know. I'm no. I'm mad. I'm mad at Ryer because he didn't watch the newsroom like he told me he was going to. He did. No, we didn't. He didn't know what SOT was. Because I didn't remember one very granular detail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That means you didn't pay attention. That's fine. Continue. 
let you think whatever you want. I can't change that. Uh, I can answer answer virtually any trivia question on that show. Wow. What a... Who does trivia on that show? Nobody. Exactly. That's the most useless skill. <laughs> it's not even a useful skill. Like anyway. if it was like Star Wars, that's something you could go to a bar and be like, "I'm Star Wars. I'm the Come guy on. who knows the most about Star Wars," and people, and maybe it will get you a fifteen dollars gift certificate for Chili's. <laughs> All right, continue. So V O S O T is an acronym for voiceover slash sound on tape, and it's a technique where a news anchor will read voiceover while um, something is playing, B-roll is playing, and then they will stop reading the voiceover and then sound on tape, whether that's an interview or something else will play. S-O-T. That's what I said, sound on tape. S-O-T. Sot. Vosat. Vosat. Um, And then maybe they'll pick up with voiceover again. So V-O-S-O-T is more of a technique. V-O is voiceover. And the question specifically is when to add voiceover, OG audio, music, etc. So a lot of this, again, is a feel thing. It's, um, a st- it's also a style thing. It's a style thing. So um, when you're editing something, you just have to kind of know what the style is that you're going for, what the feel is that you're going for, and then always be asking yourself, why... What do I need, and why would I put it there? And is it ultimately um, getting the point across? Is it is it conveying information that the viewer needs? Is it helping to uh, provide an emotion or elicit an emotional response or a feeling from your viewer? Uh, what is, is it, it doing? Is it adding value? Right. Is That's the number value? one question I ask. Does this piece of work need voiceover interviews you know dialogue for that matter is like okay what value does that add i mean even any audio right yeah any audio yeah like is do i need the music yeah what am i using the music for is it because well this this edit stylistically uses a lot of music is it because this music has a feeling that i want is it because of this that or the other or would not using music give me the feeling that I want? Is this voiceover actually giving information that will be useful, or is it just talking? Has this information been delivered before? Yeah. Is are we repeating ourselves? Necessary? Yeah. Are we repeating ourselves? Or the the biggest question I ask is one: Does it add value? The second biggest question I ask is: Does this voiceover is it necessary, or could I have answered these questions or told this story? in the field, either visually or with dialogue in the field. And if I, and I've talked, I've talked about this before. We have used voiceover many, many times. We've used interviews many, many times. I do not like either one. I would rather tell stories without either one because I feel like I end up using it as a crutch of my story lacking luster because I know, well, yeah, we'll just, we'll just cover that in voiceover. Yeah. We'll just cover that in interviews where, <laughs> what are you singing? I'm not singing anything. <laughs> I heard you whispering something. I, uh, I try and, I try and always shoot, which I've not done a good job lately of always trying to shoot something or at least 
attack a shoot in the beginning, you know, planning wise to where we don't need voiceover interviews. We use interviews in um, Make It Happen just because I feel like Chuck's really good at interviewing and he does add value sometimes. Um, we use voiceover on really short pieces because it's really hard to tell a intricate story or convey things in a very, very short time. But like like a perfect example, if you want to see the use of, you, know, you want to see storytelling done in the right way, watch a Pixar movie. I mean, I'm telling you, man, those guys know how to tell a story visually. Like the the one that stands out to me is the, you know, the, the whole scene in Up where there's not a word spoken. And it's all just the husband and wife before she passes away. And like, there's not a word said. There's not a voiceover. There's not an interview. There's not a, a you know, a, an ominous voice come in and explain what's happening. Visually, we see everything. Um, and that's a perfect example of how you don't need even talking. You don't need anything. Is that very, very hard to do and very, very hard to replicate? Absolutely. It's very hard. Um, but that shows you, does it add value or can I do this job and tell the story without it? And most of the time, I think you can. But style-wise, I mean, we've talked about the Badlands Film Festival. Like, if there's 100 films in there, 98 of them have voiceover. And that drives me insane. Um, there's, there's ways to do it without voiceover. Um, there's ways to do it without interviews. But people, people use it because it's easy. Voiceover is easy. Interviews are easy. Telling a story in the field's hard. Well, it's almost, and I posted about it on my story yesterday, but um, I tried to edit a whole morning's hunt with two locations uh, without one music uh, because I'm very aware of the crutch that music can be on an editor and editing. Um, and two, just for a different feel to see if I could do it and to challenge myself. I like to do it every once in a while. I've done a few um, like that, but it's uh, it's amazing how much different, you know, and how much more attention you have to pay sometimes when you don't have, like, the safety net of your, of your music to really drive your edit. Yeah. Right, where you have to drive your edit based on the visuals – and what's happening in the shot, what's happening in the audio, and trying to rely on your internal rhythm as an editor. Uh, it, it can be very difficult. But, um, you know, when you watch things from uh, very high-level productions, they, they're not always using music. Um, they use music when it, when it helps the story. Yeah. When, when it is necessary for it's a, something. It's a tool. It's just a like tool. everything else is. And so... Voiceover is a tool. Interviews are a tool. Drones are a tool. Time lapses are a tool. Transition effects Transitions are a tool. Are a tool. All of those things are a tool to help aid in the storytelling process. You go watch, and I, and I use the example all the time, it's years and years old now, but Camp 4 Collective did a, uh, a reel for their company reel years ago. It's still the best one I've ever seen. Um, and I tell people to go watch that reel and they're like taken aback about how good it is. And then I tell them to watch it again with their eyes closed and just listen to the nuance in the sound. Listen to how much time and effort was put into the, the tiniest pieces of the sound of that. That's what makes it that good. The visual is amazing. Um, but 
with enough time and effort in the right locations, visuals are not near as hard to get as getting the sound perfect. Um, and people will forgive bad video. They won't forgive bad sound. So another thing to keep in mind. Uh, I just wanted to put this out for everybody. Broken Straw Media said, Mike Russell on YouTube is an awesome channel for anything audio on, on Premiere or Audition. I'm probably definitely going to be checking him out. And if you guys are looking for somewhere to look for more information, that would be a good place to go. Um, what you got, buddy? You wanted to say something? <laughs> no. Are you bored? Do you yes. want to go downstairs? You can go downstairs. I'll be down there in a minute. <laughs> All right. Bye, Sam's. Sam's has he has hit his Good limit. Job, buddy. He's hit his limit. Good job, buddy. Love you. <laughs> He's going back downstairs. So, um, all so right. Next, next question. question yeah. Is, next question. I feel stagnant. Any tips for adding uh, some spice? Add a little bit of spice if you do TikTok. Your your um, your answer was what? My answer was one. Try a technique that you haven't tried before. Um, so that could be cutting faster. It could be cutting slower. It could be uh, not using a montage where you usually would. It may be trying to uh, do something a little different, mess with some graphics, mess with whatever. Try something that you haven't done before. Like I said, cutting without music. Get out of your That's comfort a, zone, really. Right. Get out of your comfort zone. Do something that you haven't done before. Maybe you hate it. Maybe it's cool. Um Two, uh, I always like to play with, because I, this is the way I am, but I like to play with different types of music. Like, I try to think of things and go, uh, this is the typical music that everybody uses for this thing. What is the non-typical music? Or what's a little piece, like, for example, there was a scene that I did uh, that we got thrown out, but... uh, there was a scene of basically rutting bucks chasing does all over this field. All night they're chasing these freaking does back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So the general theme music of the hunting industry is just kind of a standard rock, potentially a, a uh, upbeat country, right? That's a lot of used a lot. And I like to try to find a little something, like a little something different that I can potentially uh capitalize on and so i'm going okay well there's bucks chasing does like it's kind of like dudes chasing girls right it's got kind of a little romantic feel to it and i was looking around at okay what's some different kind of music that i could use that's not just like oh we'll put a bunch of chasing we'll do a chasing montage to some rock right everybody's done that and so i went found and i it was like a 50s um Oh, what's the music genre? It's like a not not a doo wop, but like yeah, a, like just a classic just a fifties kind of love song thing. Yeah, and it literally had music. Uh, and you can just you can hear the the bells at the the drive in movie like in the background. Yeah, and it had and it had uh, music talking about how this guy wants this girl to like love him, but she doesn't. Yeah, right. And I was like, perfect. This is great because now you can take a scene that's been done by ha- every single editor in the hunting industry. And do it in an entirely different way that yeah. it probably hasn't been done before. Well, and give it a little bit of a spin that's different than people. Like, instead of it's just bucks running around, now there's kind of this little romantic vibe. It's yeah. a little humorous. But even, it throws people off. It's not something they've seen before. Did it get thrown out? Yes. yes. It's never seen the light of but day. E- but e- I tried it, and it was kind of fun. Even simpler to, to dumb that down even more is finding a song with vocals. 
Mm-hmm. You know, try and edit. I love editing the, the, the songs with vocals. Love yeah. it. I try to find them when I can. It's yeah. hard. It's hard. It is very hard. Especially for check edits because he talks the whole time. Yeah, the yeah, whole time. That's the thing about if you use a song with vocals, it's either one, very hard to line up your person's talking mm-hmm. and not run over their talking. Yeah. Or two, find the right vocals thematically. Yeah. The, so for me to answer this question. Um, I had one more. Oh. So sorry. mix it up musically. Try to mess with some different themes. Try to do. Try to find something in the edit that you're bored with to make it a little bit different. Find that little thing and try to spin it. Um, and then this is you'll parrot this obviously, but go consume things. Whether that's watching uh, movies, TV shows, listening to music, reading books, going to some live music going to an art exhibit, going to a museum, whatever. Go and and don't think necessarily about the edits. Just consume art and your brain will naturally start synthesizing things and you'll just come up with ideas or you'll see something like, oh, that's kind of cool. I wonder how I could use this here. I like that thing they did in that show. I like how this show did that. That was a cool piece of art. I liked that whatever i and that was that was the first thing i was going to say is go outside your genre to consume content um don't go watch other hunting shows or fishing shows or outdoor adventure shows to find inspiration to spark interest to spark creativity um i try and look at industries that aren't even remotely related whether that's you know i'm re-watching suits right now um which is about new york you know, corporate lawyers. Um, I'm, I'm always trying to look at how to incorporate other ideas and genres and shots and, and ideas and, and, and stories into what we're doing. Do they always work? They very, very rarely do. But I think getting out of that headspace and getting into a different one is a, is a good way to do it. The number one way that I think to, to challenge yourself when you kind of get in a rut is do a better job of planning on the front end. And what I mean by that is I've noticed myself do this too, where I get in a episodic rut where everything's kind of repetitious and I'll get out there and I'll shoot and everything I'm shooting is kind of the exact same thing as I shot last time. Well, it's because I've been doing the same thing for a long time and I get in this rut and it's easy and it's quick and we turn it around, but I think the best things that we've done here recently are things that we've taken the time to sit down and plan every aspect of. Blue Stem, perfect example. We spent so much time planning that. Um, the Bergara thing that we just finished, we spent a lot of time planning and talking that one through. Even though it didn't turn out like we had planned, um, we stuck to some of the ideas. I think that it's, if you're just grabbing a camera and going out and shooting something, and coming back and wanting it to be different than everything else you shot, it's not going to be because you're you're not going out there with a plan and with a purpose. I think if everything that you do from the simple as, even if it's an image that you're trying to go get with your, you know, your picture camera, planning it out, like what lighting do I need? What lens do I need? What focal length am I shooting this at? Like all those things, like I think those are ways that if you plan on the front end and you stick to your plan and you are vigilant about that plan. Um, and Ryer's really good at sticking to the plan. I veer off course a lot 
and he gets really mad at me. And that's why I like having him on shoots, even though I want to strangle him sometimes. It's like he, he reins me back in to where it's like, no, that's not what we talked about. We talked about how we were going to do it this way and this way and this way. And those are ways that if you stay vigilant and plan things out on the front end, even if it's the harder way to do it, even if it takes longer to do it, that's the way to do it. Um, so that's my two cents. It's like stay, get out of your genre, watch things that are outside your genre, things that you don't think you'd even like. If you're a, you know, you love Western movies, go watch something in sci-fi. If you love sci-fi movies, go watch a sci-fi's a, are just space westerns. Go watch a drama. You know, what, whatever whatever your genre is, get outside of it. Try, find something completely out of your comfort zone. Um, I think also, too, is oftentimes when you're in a rut, it's because you're doing the same thing, like you said, over and over again. And there's probably some crutches. You probably oh, yeah. have... You probably have a couple crutches that you're that you are comfortable walking around on, right? Like you're really good on those crutches. Um, really take a look at yourself and be like, okay, what are those crutches? And then give yourself a limitation of like, okay, if my crutch is using music, and like I always feel like I'm tied to this music, well, I'll do an edit now where you force yourself not to do that. Mm-hmm. If your crutch is, oh, I'm always montaging. Okay, well, let's. Refuse do to montage. montage. Yeah, refuse to montage. If your crutch is, uh, whatever the crutch is, determine determine the things that maybe you use with a lot of regularity, and challenge yourself to not do it that way, and force yourself not to, because that's kind of like anything else. If you've got a bad habit, you have to force yourself not to do it. And sometimes that might be for a lack of shooting, because there's only so much you can do in edits. Um, you know, if you don't have transitions, if you don't have enough B-roll, if you don't have any time lapse, if you don't, if your edit's slow, why is it slow? Well, I didn't shoot enough. You know, that those can be reasons too. So, um, and then another really good way to get out of rut is show someone who's unbiased, send it to us, we'll be honest with you, you know, and ask yourself, and you always have to ask yourself this question. When you watch something you're not happy with, okay, why does this suck? Why do I not like it? And then seek out someone that's not your mom that's going to say, oh, sweetheart, it's lovely. I love it. you know, you got to ask some people that are like, hey, you know, I like this section, this section. I got bored here. Why did he do that? You know, I didn't like that. I, that music, that song sucks. You know, and that was the biggest thing when I was a one-man band is I never had anybody to bounce ideas off of. Find that person or people in your life or your circle that will be honest with you. Like, hey, man, this is awesome. I wouldn't change a thing. Or that's pretty crappy. I wouldn't show that to anybody else. Um, because that's the only way you learn is to get constructive criticism. I got a quick question. What you uh, got? No. So is no. there, <laughs> is, there uh, is there a specific way that you guys structure your shot list going to a shoot? Like is there a specific method? We use the guys notes app. The what? The notes app. <laughs> the notes app. We don't, sh- we don't shot list. I yeah. Think, I think that's that, a huge misconception I think. Really? Yeah. I think shot lists, one, are a, like really rigid shot lists are a much more narrative mm-hmm. filmmaking oh, technique. Um, and so, like, we don't have, we don't show up to, with this shot list and go, like, okay, we need this, 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 like this. Checking right? boxes. Now, um, now, there will be things like we want to make sure we get a shot of this thing. Yeah. But there'll be like five of them. Whereas, the majority of the it's time, it's a lot of categories. It's a lot of too. categories and scenes and ideas that we want to make sure that we cover. Like right. in Bluestone, perfect example. We knew we wanted to shoot a scene and have a scene about 
how jacked up guides' hands get. So, uh, like, that was an idea. Is like, okay, make sure we cover jacked up hands. Yeah. Not get tight shots at this tight shot. So that's like, well, we talked to him about it in interviews. We talked to him about it in the field. Mm-hmm. We made sure anytime we saw something of them using their hands to make sure to get tights of those things. But in terms of like, hey, we need to get five shots of dirty hands. Like, no, that's not how we well, did yeah, it. But we we try and get, we try and lay out ideas and themes, and then kind cover of them. And, and cover those, and then make sure everybody's aware of whose job whose job is what, you know. And then it goes. I mean, it's honestly fairly simple. Is always asking those questions: who, what, when, where, why, whether, and asking those questions all the time. Mm-hmm. And getting your coverage wide, medium, tight. Mm-hmm. And getting What's your coverage. It's not. It's not rocket science. It really isn't. Um, just making sure you're in focus, making sure you got good audio, making sure you're changing your angle. That's the one thing that I notice when guys are first getting into shooting, or you know, I watch YouTube videos that somebody sends me. It's like everything's medium. Everything's like this. You know, belly button to the top of the head mm-hmm. if their framing's right. You know. And everything's center frame or not in the rule of thirds. It's in between center and rule of thirds. Like it's just the framing's off. Just simple things like that. Like I can just see your frame and tell like you are new at this. Mm. Um, so it's one of those things to where it's it's having having that plan. And, and when we talk about planning, like we're not getting technically like as granular as you're talking about with the shot list. And right. you also have to uh, keep in mind too that the stuff that we're doing is largely. I mean, while we do recreates and stuff, I would classify a lot of what we do as more documentary filmmaking. Yeah, very much. Like so. We're not going into it's it's not even like commercial filmmaking, right? It's it's very documentary based. So it's like I have ideas of what I need, and I know that I need certain things for a scene, and I'll need a, certain things to be able to edit to. But like, I don't. A lot of times you don't know exactly what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and so it's very hard to shot list when uh, you don't know where you're going to be, you don't necessarily who you're going to be with, you don't know what you're going to be doing, you don't know what's going to happen while you're there, mm. and so a lot of it is okay. I've got these buckets that I know that I need things of, and like I just try to knock out little bits and pieces of those buckets um, the whole time. Right? You've got these large buckets for things on a trip level but you also have the same kind of buckets at a scene level and you also have them at like a sit level right it's just i know i need yeah this variety of stuff i have these buckets of shots that i need and uh whatever is happening i fill those buckets with whatever's happening right but but there are i mean in terms of quote-unquote shot list there are certain shots that we get virtual on every shoot you're always getting establishing shots you're always getting Shots of getting in and out of the truck, truck going down the road, you know, a deer coming in, clipping on the release. Like, there's certain shots that you always get. Mm. You try and be as creative as you can within those shots. But outside of those, what I call generic shot lists, which is like these are the absolutely basic building blocks of the story, and everything in between, you film it as it happens. And then you try and do the best job of of covering those things that happen in the middle. And you let things happen. Uh, and you have to be able to move and groove with that. But the overall idea, that's the part that you needed to plan out. You know, everybody's seen a Midwest whitetail hunt. Like, we, you know, you, we know what's going to happen. But if you start talking about running wolf traps in Yukon on dog sled, there needs to be some planning with that. Because mm. you know, that's not something that we've done 10,000 times. 
And if it's something that you haven't done in editing or shooting, even if it is a Midwest whitetail hunt and it's not something you've done, what I'd do is I would re-watch stuff, you know, watch your favorite content and take notes of like, well, they got a shot of this, a shot of this, a shot of this. Why, why do I like it? That's what I used to do when I didn't know what I was doing. I would literally watch shows and be like, okay, well, there, there was, you know, that segment was five minutes and 35 seconds, and there was, I can literally count the shots. There was, you know, two and a half, you know, 250 shots in that 500, you know, that five minutes. Mm. Dang, that's a bunch of video. You know, that's a, I'm not shooting enough. Like, I could tell myself, well, I got 15 clips this whole morning hunt. I don't have enough. And I can't make a five and a half minute segment out of 15 clips. Okay, well, then I would think to myself, well, what else do I shoot? I don't know what else to shoot. And then I would start picking out B-roll. I'd start picking out wides and transitions and drones and all these things. It's like, well, I'm not getting any of that. You know, it's not. But once you start picking up what you need and understanding what shot goes where and why that shot's there, um, then it starts making sense. Mm. Um, next question. Somebody asked, how long do you expect it to take? I assume that uh, you meant, like, how long does an edit take? And the answer is yes. <laughs> um, it depends. I mean, there's so many factors that play into how long an edit will take. One is, are you fast at it or not? Mm-hmm. If you're fast, it'll take sl- uh, less time. If you're slow, it'll take more You know time. how long it's going to take? It'll take until the day of the deadline. That's how long it'll take. Yeah. Um, what kind of edit is it? Um how detailed are you trying to be? Is it very involved? Is it a quick like okay, we just cut this inter- we cut this interview up and throw some B roll over it? Yeah. Or are you making well uh, 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 something narrative that's gonna take multiple edit renditions and I can answer I can answer stuff. this question for the most part. So yeah, Caleb I'm ass- is much better with. I'm assuming I'm assuming you're talking about how long does it take us? Versus how long would it take you? So I can answer for us. I can't answer for you. If you're talking about a Lee and Tiffany hunt masters, you know, full television edit, it's going to take us two weeks, 10 days, Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday. That's in perfect world conditions. That's how we price a show. Is it taking us two weeks? So eight hour days for 10 days. Um, It's a long time. It's a lot, very involved. It takes a lot, way more than you think it does. But that is a very polished, top-tier television show on Outdoor Channel. Top-tier. All right. So if you want to do a a Make It Happen episode like we're doing right now with Chuck, I estimate those are going to take us between two and five days, depending. Around about three is kind of how I figured them. I can do one in three. Ryer probably can do one in four, five-ish right so i just finished a rough cut you did finish it Mm -hmm. okay it's finished you finished Um, it in two days yeah so you'll take another day to finish it um where this rough cut is now i i need there's the section that i didn't do the music on Mm -hmm. we'll need some work whether it's shortening or whatnot but let's say four days but that's i mean i did that's 21 minutes of content in two days rough cut and if i had like gun to my head yeah. Had to get it out. I could do that tomorrow. Yeah. So let's say four days. So three to four days is what it's going to take for that. Okay. I've been editing for 10 years. Ryer's been editing for seven years. Um, we're faster than your average guy, but we also understand 
what our footage is, what we have, where it's going. We shot with a purpose. We have pretty much everything we need. Um, and those are creative, very polished edits. If you're talking a YouTube show, like, you know, hunting public or... A day. If that. Hunting public would take me a day. If that. Dump it in a timeline, cut. Yeah. Gone. It's li- that's literally a rough cut of nothing. That's a selects reel. Yeah. It's, it's not even a rough so cut. That is a selects reel. Th- there's no reason it, that would take us... I mean, if we had all the footage... However long it took to watch through the footage, plus an hour. That's how long it would take us to do it. There's a helicopter flying over. Ryder got distracted. I was heard a deep rumbling that sounded like rotor blades. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that is. So that's awesome. it, it, that's, it, if, and that's kind of the breakdown of like, okay, how long should it take? That's how long it takes us to do those things. I don't know how long it's going to take you, um, but that's why we try and – do what we do and we charge a premium for it is because you know there's a lot of time gets invested in this and, and when we talk about edit time like that's not Hold counting on. shooting time let's i'm going to add a question to this okay because it's basically right in there do you charge a client for editing time or do you just charge for filming no we charge for editing time Continue. you charge for shooting time i just wanted you to keep explaining what you were yeah. explaining but also answer that question yeah. at the same time so two for one i got you guys yeah Producing over here. He's producing. I like that. So we we charge for (laughs) shooting time, editing, and editing time. We don't necessarily charge for editing time for photos. We probably should. Um, We use photos as we like taking pictures. That's what we use photos for. Um, But when we edit, the way I price things, and I've talked about pricing, and I get questions about pricing all the time, I base pricing on how long it's going to take. And when I figured up what it's going to take to edit a 10-episode series for Huntmasters, I figured 10 days per episode, 10 episodes, it's 100 days. 100 days, add a value to the 100 days, that's what it comes out to on editing. But there's also other costs that come with that with television. There's closed captioning costs. There's music licensing costs. There's... You know, all these storage different th- yeah, costs. storage costs. There's hard drives. There's, you know, this, that, and the other. Now, things that we don't charge for that we should and we might start because we get asked for it a lot is the planning time that goes into some of these projects. We take a lot of time as a company away from the computer editing and out of the field shooting to sit down as a group and plan things, which is something we need to do whenever Keegan gets back. We need to have a half a day of the minds but essentially there's shooting time we figure out how long it's going to take to shoot which we usually know before we go how long the hunt's going to be and then when we get back there's absolutely a charge for editing we make more we make the money on edits that's because there's not a lot of good ones out there um and i would consider us good ones so next question um Let's see, where, where's the best little way to go from here? Um, after importing videos to Premiere Pro, what should you do next? Um, on the stories, I said edit them. <laughs> That's a very sarcastic answer. Well, um, first thing you're going to do is you got to wait for it to create all your pro, you know, create all your sidecar files before you do anything. This is freaking Premiere. Um, the nice thing about Premiere is it just eats footage. Like you just put whatever you want in there, and it figures out how to deal with it. 
bad thing about Premiere is that causes a lot of instability. Also, so, Premiere causes a lot of instability has, being the way that it is. How's the new computer? I don't want to get too far into it, but just a quick... It's been treating me pretty good. The only um, only times that I've really noticed uh, much of a hiccup is um, like speed ramping 4K clips. I have to render those. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have to do that. Uh, I, I mean, there might I just be. want to point out, too, Ryer's got a new computer. New monitor, new speakers. Now he wants a new desk. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I did ask you for some of those things. <laughs> the desk. <laughs> I'm not asking you to pay for the desk. I will be paying for the desk. I'm paying for the desk. What did Caleb, you what want did, to. What did Caleb get new? All that equipment for Ryer to use. <laughs> yeah, that's what I got. I got a credit card bill is what I got. Hopefully some peace and quiet. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully some edits getting pumped out. According to Chuck. Well, <laughs> come on in, Chuck. Come on in. You that's what, do it. That's what that's what uh Simsy said this morning when he saw your truck and we pulled up. He's like, Oh, there's Ryer's truck. He's not here. And and he said and he's, he saw Hunter's truck. He's like, Oh, that's the that's the other guy. I was like, Yeah, that's Hunter's truck. He's like, You only have four friends and talking about everybody that works in the office. And I was like, No, I have more more than four friends. He goes, he goes, Oh yeah. Chuck, too. <laughs> I was like, I have five friends, son. Thanks. There you go. Look, Chuck, here's the deal. Is okay, That's awesome. Uh, I'm getting a new desk. I've <laughs> ran out of space on my desk. It's plum full. Yeah. It's 100% full. It you is. cannot fit another thing. You could. I would have to all, never move you my desk. You need hands. to put an Amazon sticker on there because they're making stock prices right now. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to get everything set up so that when we – when we got somebody, if you're a client listening, you you can do this uh, sparingly. I, <laughs> I was about I to say, I'm a, over my shoulder you got people time. wanting to park and live back there. Yeah, I ain't got, every once in a while, like, I got this vision for it. It's going to, right now, my office is an office. It's about to be an editing suite. <laughs> okay? We're, We're going to have, have to put two. soundproofing in there. Uh, yeah, I already yeah. thought about that. Uh, Are you going to paint it black? Or like a dark, like it's like this. Be dark, yeah, not this. I can't do a gr- I can't do a color because. What about like a dark dark gray? Yeah, something like that. Like a I'm trying to find a color that would make sense. Like I'd, your hat. Honestly, that color I'm, that Nicole be, picked for the uh, other office was not bad. It, it had is, a little bit of a green. Well, it's got to a it, blue and a green in it. But it wasn't bad. Um, lights will be off anyways. I'm gonna have a large. I honestly, flat. I honestly wouldn't mind painting the whole office. Black. No, right. Ah! We're not doing it black. But it's cool. We're not doing it black. Whatever. That other that that did look slick. So it looks good. Yeah. Don't tell her. I've that. got a big. Uh, I'm gonna have a big flat top desk. We're gonna have dual monitors. Uh, I've got because I moved because I changed monitors and got a new monitor. Um, it doesn't have good speakers in it, and so I had to get like actual monitor speakers they bump um but those are going to go on the desk too and then i'm thinking about getting a flat screen and putting it over both my monitors and kind of tilting it down and then i'll probably get a couch and put that behind me so that anytime we got to do reviews or look at something or um, somebody wants to come in and kind of be more hands-on with the edit or just kind of see where things are at um, 
they've got a it's a much more inviting environment for somebody to watch an edit take place right now you can watch me edit it's you have to sit in a chair over my shoulder and it's it's, it's a little too close for comfort for me so uh we're gonna we're gonna do that um where were we I don't know. You're supposed to be handling After that. After importing videos to Premiere Pro, what should we do next? So, um, oh, we, I remember the whole thought process. It really depends on your workflow and what you're doing. Hunter and I have talked about this a couple times this week, actually. Um, but sometimes the next step may be creating proxies. That's kind of what you've been working with, uh, especially if you're working with an underpowered computer. Um, the more advanced cameras get, uh, the harder that footage is to deal with uh, in an editing software. And so you may end up having to do a proxy workflow uh, in order for your computer to actually play back media and edit and crunch that, crunch that data. Uh, so that might be the first thing you do. Uh, if you are doing something with a lot of interviews or voiceover or whatever, you may go and make a uh, string out. Uh, or basically a selects where you're selecting the best pieces of your audio or your voiceover or your interviews uh, and putting those in a timeline. Or you may jump right into a rough cut. You know, that's generally that's what I do is jump right into a rough cut um, because a lot of times maybe it's it's maybe explain what a rough cut is. Yeah, I will. Um, less and less now. It used to be I almost only edited what I shot, but I'm starting to edit stuff a lot more often that I didn't shoot. How much and do you hate it? I uh, hate editing stuff I didn't shoot. I hate it. <laughs> I hate editing stuff I didn't shoot. But I do like having somebody other than myself to blame for the footage. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's nice. Um, but also at the same time, I'm still the editor, so I got to make it work. So six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Um Especially as the editor, I feel like the editor's always because you're the last person in the chain, and so it's very the weakest link. Mm. <laughs> it's more of a perception thing. Like as an editor, you know, like okay, you gave me like two clips, dude. I don't. What do you want me to yeah, do? Yeah. Oh god. But the client doesn't see it. Like you're the last person who touched it, and like apparently editors have like these magical powers. Yeah. And like. Why sprinkle does, fairy dust and this. why doesn't it look like how I think it should in your head? Yeah, like, why doesn't that well, look dude, like the 007 movie that I just saw? Yeah, your freaking guy who you, your buddy who you handed a camera to gave me <laughs> a bunch of crap. He gave me 12 clips for an entire TV show. He gave me 12 clips. Ten of them were out of focus. And <laughs> half of them were on a tacticam. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, but you're still Blow the last, brains you're out. still the last link. So you always kind of, I always feel that pressure as as the editor, like I'm the last link in the chain. I got to make this as good as possible with what I've been given because they're not probably going to go back to the guy who shot it and be like, you need to do a better job. They're going to look at you and be like, why didn't you make it cool? Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, a lot of times, like if I already know the footage, uh, I'm just going to start making a rough cut in situations where you don't know the footage then your first step is probably going to be watching it and familiarizing yourself with it. And a lot of times you can kind of double task, watch it, and create a selects reel where you're uh, basically pulling the best moments of footage and trimming into the a fat, timeline. Trimming the fat. And trimming the fat. Um, there's a couple different ways you can do a selects reel. There's a couple different techniques. Um, and 
Some of them work better for different applications. Uh, we won't go 100% all the way into that. Um, but you're going to probably do that. If you're already familiar with the footage, you may not have to do that, and you start creating a rough cut. Uh, you can also call a rough cut maybe an assembly. What a rough cut really is, is your first pass at, at editing this thing. So it's just you kind of taking the footage and beginning to make the video. It's not going to be polished. It's probably going to have some fat. Uh, you may be working with some concepts that may or may not work. You may be trying some techniques that may or may not work. Your color is not done. Your audio is not going to be mixed. Um, like it is a rough cut. You're cutting it roughly, uh, and and that's probably the the first thing you're going to do. Yeah, that's what you're working on right now, right, Hunter? Kind of roughing. Correct. Roughing uh, thing for Dudley. How's that going? It's going good. Um, just learning the process. Just kind of, you know, making making a, the biggest timeline I've ever made. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's good. It's it's honestly kind of putting it into perspective, like kind of breaking it down like smaller chunks and yeah. not you know trying to string. T- honestly, editing from doing kind of like uh, make putting everything that you think you want in the sequence and then kind of pulling from that for me is a million times better than pulling from the bins just because the bins it's like I really don't have a frame of reference in time as far as which I also haven't edited anything that I've shot so it's been kind of you know that's kind of a learning it's learning differently I think in some ways but um, maybe that's something we need to do next week we need to have we need to figure out like a product or something we're working with Mm -hmm. give you a camera and Take one of us, and we'll go out and shoot something. Let's do it. That way you can shoot something that, you know, you create the idea. You know, we give you the product of the idea. Right, right. And you do the pre-production, go out and shoot it. You know, we'll yeah. help you That'd do whatever, awesome. and then bring it back and edit it. Shoot, yeah. I'd be love good. it. Yeah. We might can do that. We should be able to do that next week. Sweet. I would think so. But, um, but yeah, that that keeps me in it. Like, being yeah. able to see, like, okay, I have a day here, and then or morning one, afternoon one, morning one, and then kind of, like, putting markers in there to kind of give me a frame of reference from where everything is at. Then I feel like, all right, well then now I can pull this and throw this together. Yeah. It's kind of how it makes me, yeah. how my brain works. But yeah, I lied. Editing isn't the first thing that you probably would do. It's the first thing you do. Organize. Don't. Next question. <laughs> Deal. That was about to go straight Deal. down a rabbit hole. Wasn't it? Um, <laughs> the first thing is probably, it should have been, it should have been organized before you brought it in. Well, it should have been, but sometimes you have to reorganize depending on stuff. Okay, next question. <clears throat> How much is After Effects a part of your edits? Um, personally, it's a very minuscule part. Uh, I use it sparingly. Uh, most of the graphics that I do can be accomplished in Premiere. Premiere's actually, over the past two years, gotten a lot more capable on the ed- on the graphics side. It bogs down when you do it. It's not quite as... And it's obviously not as capable as After Effects, but for a lot of just titles and lower thirds and maybe some miscellaneous transitions or whatever, you could probably do it in Premiere. Um, Sometimes if you're going to do like motion tracking or you're going to really do something a little bit more advanced than you go to After Effects, but I find those instances to be few and far between for most of the edits that I'm doing. Um and then we use some some like template stuff for for different things. Yeah, I'd say it's like less than one percent of the time, in the grand scheme of things, compared to like time in Premiere and time in After Effects. 
And um, a lot of it too is like I could go mess around and figure out how to do that stuff, but that's not really where the value is and that's not where I need to be spending my time. Yeah. Like I could go figure out how to do this thing. Well, I'm 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 much more I'm much more of the school like I want edits to be as clean as possible and not use a bunch of transitions and effects and essentially dirty it up. Um, there are instances that we've done things like that, like whether it's commercials or really fast, you know, promo type things that will integrate some After Effects and some flashy graphics and things of that nature. But um, one, the budget's got to call for it because it takes a lot more time. Two, it's aggravating. Um, but yeah, I mean, we know enough in After Effects to be dangerous. You know, do some motion tracking, do some template stuff, but. When we need heavy graphics work, we sub that out. Uh, Tim wants to know, do you guys build essential graphics for your projects? Uh, yes and no. Uh, if we have a project where we're, we're going to be using like the same set of assets over and over again, uh, then we'll have it templatized to whatever extent makes sense. Um, if it's kind of a one-off thing, then obviously, you know, no, we're going to build it one time and, and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you can do a lot of stuff as far as building something in After Effects and then allowing it to be edited in Premiere uh, using their their graphics template, the Mogerts. Um, I haven't done that a whole ton. A lot of times we just, I'll just open up the After Effects project, edit what I need and export it. Uh, especially because Premiere really doesn't like, it doesn't like the Mogerts. For whatever reason, anytime I've had to use a Mogurt, it bogs way down. Um, it's been better now that I've got the the new M1 Studio, but it still like is slower. Yeah. So a lot of times, I'd rather just open up After Effects, export it, and bring in a .mov. Yeah. Um, next question: How do you multicam? God. So this is the we're an hour and eighteen minutes in this, and this is when this one's about to. Get physical. <laughs> I as long as I don't have to touch it, I don't care how you multicam. There's many ways to multicam. I just saw a new technique today. Uh, I don't want to know it. The way it's actually more similar to yours than mine. Good. They're right. Um, the way I multicam is I take my two, three, four clips um, from the from the project bin, select them. Right-click, create, multicam, source sequence, um, change the name or whatever, um, use the audio mix down to match it, uh, and then let Premiere sync them all up. And then basically what it does is it creates a nest uh, that contains those clips, and then uh, I have it spit my the source files into a, their own folder so they no longer clutter up my bin. But I'll just... Take that, and then you can either pull it up in your source monitor in and out and drag it down, or you can take the whole thing and cut it just like a regular clip. Um, And then if you have to make changes to any of the clips inside of it, um, you can open it up in a timeline and mess with it that way. That's the way I like to do it because I personally like doing the one and two because that allows you to, in your program monitor, um, if you click the wrench, you can set it to uh, multicam or some. I think it's multi camera, isn't it? 
You I don't do know. it. Yeah, don't do it that way. You, I forget the exact verbiage, but you can set it to like a multicam mode, and it'll instead of showing you the one composite, which is what it is set on by default, it'll show you all the cameras that are active, and then you can use your number keypad to switch from camera one to camera two to camera three to camera four, and then Premiere will make those cuts in the uh, multicam nest that's on your timeline. Uh, I like doing that. It makes it kind of simple for me. I don't have four layers of clips. I'm not having to cut little pieces out of it, slide things around, all that kind of stuff. Like It's just one, one track uh, of video and however many of audio. Caleb doesn't do it that way. No, I don't. I use claps. I line the claps up, make my cuts, you and move even, on. You line it up manually? Manually. Everything's manual. That You, you can visually see the, the claps. I line the claps up. Oh, there they are. Make my cuts, make my cuts. Oh, I need to cl- cut this section. Cut, cut, delete, dry it, drag it over. I don't have to. I just nothing, want you, nothing messes up. I just want you guys to know that when Caleb talks about how simple his workflows are, it, it's not as quick as that. It's it not is as, as quick as that. It is as quick it as that. Not. When your brain is far superior like mine, it's that quick. Mm-hmm. I'll let you have that one. Moving, we'll, moving on. We won't. Uh, you well, you know, you could even not. You don't have to sync them like I do. You can take no, all don't. of the clips. The only reason I would ever can, sync it like yours you is when it's click. like a very, very, very long, like. I've had to do it for Dudley's podcast before with three cameras. Well, yeah, I'm and I sync three cameras that are an hour long that I can just watch through in like one, three, two, two, one, three. But uh, well, if it's two cameras or even three cameras for a short, you know, thirty second spot, why would I go through all that trouble? Line the three up, go through, make your cuts, you're done. Well, I mean, I think that you're also talking about two separate applications of that. Like today, when I had uh, or yesterday. When I had a GoPro clip and a regular clip, I yeah. just sync them in the timeline. Yeah, that's all. That's the only. But you know, you can sync them using Premiere in the timeline. Why would I? When there's claps, I literally line up the claps. Because you just take. So you have you take them and you layer them on top of each other like you normally do. I know how to then do you it. You select both of them and synchronize. I think it's them. faster to do it the way I do it. That can't possibly be true. You want to race? Another thing we should race at. <laughs> also, you have to sit there and like. Do that whole number. No. You find the you find the clap and make a cut there. Find the other clap, make a cut there. What and if you don't have a clap? Up. Well, you don't have a clap. You just find the first audible word and make a cut there. What cut, if you cut. got a whole bunch of wind? And you've got an extremely dirty... It might take me another 10 seconds to line it up. That's it. can't believe you've been doing it manually the whole time. Always manual. Mm. Manual life. Hashtag. <laughs> I only do it manually if Premiere doesn't do it. If Premiere's like, nope, we can't do it, then I will do it myself. But, like, that is one function I will let Premiere do. So, the way that I saw today is the stack, but you know how you cut sections out? Uh, This guy cut and disabled. So, the whole clip was still there. It was just disabled whatever the top track was. No, don't like that. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, do you shoot log or raw? How do you color? Sometimes with crayons, occasionally with colored pencils. Uh, <laughs> he also licks the windows. <laughs> they taste like snozberries. <laughs> the snozberries taste like snozberries. Uh, do you shoot log or raw? 
we shot a lot of log last year for Huntmasters. What I learned is it's terrible. Uh, I am not a good enough colorist yet. Yeah. To really take full advantage of log, it created a lot of problems for me, and it takes more time. Um, there are ways to do it where it takes less time, but most of those ways are assuming you're in an ideal world with ideal shooting circumstances. And that just doesn't always happen. In fact, it rarely happens um, with uh, the stuff that we're doing. And so you kind of have to, and same thing with raw. Um, I'm not a good enough colorist for it to to really take advantage of the um, additional data that both of those formats offer. Um, I think that you have to kind of weigh how long it's going to take you to accomplish something and how good it's going to be. Um, because while technically log and raw will allow you to make a better end image, uh, you may not be capable enough to make a better end image. And you end up spending more time making an image that is either A, pretty close to the image that you would get using a Rec. 709 plus a little coloring or worse than that if you don't know how to do it correctly and then you're just going to be frustrated. Um, you also have to take into account like how much time are you going to have on the edits. Uh, if you've got a lot of time and it's a project that you really want to look a certain way, then uh, yeah, maybe that's a something you look into. For a lot of our projects this year, like we just don't need it. It, it doesn't offer an advantage. Um, the FX6's Cinetone profile looks really nice. You can um, color it in Lumetri just the same way you would do anything else and get very nice results with it. Uh, it's very intuitive to color Rec. 709. Uh, it doesn't take much extra stuff. Uh, now, I know people who are good at color are going to argue with me on this, um, that it's not that hard to color log and that you just need a correction LUD or you just need this or just need that. Um, and that may be true if you're much more skilled and you've been you know, doing it for uh, longer or just have better training in that. For me personally, I'm just not that good yet. So, um, you know, it's not that easy. So uh, we don't really shoot in log or raw right now. Uh, in the future, when we get projects where that would be valuable and we, A, either have the skills or time to tackle that or have the budget to send it to somebody who's that's their specialty, then, you know, we'll explore doing that. Anything additionally to add? No. Are you zoned out? No, I'm looking at something that just oh. popped up on this thing. Um, best format and preset export settings for sportsmen's and outdoor channel shows. Um, every channel is usually going to give you how they want their stuff. So uh, the simple answer is just how they want their stuff. Uh, I think that outdoor channel and sportsmen's have like an actual export preset. And so you can just plug that into Premiere and export that way. Um, but if you're delivering to any kind of network or streaming service, they're probably going to have a sheet of technical requirements that are going to tell you either A, exactly how it needs to be done or give you some options on how they want their stuff. And so you just kind of have to go follow that. 
um, there's not really a best. It's not really a best. Like you, they just are. You give it to them how they want it. Yeah. You know, especially with TV networks, like you, there's not a best. It's just that's how they want it. Sometimes how they want it is not best. AKA Pursuit Channel is still airing in four by three, and they didn't provide. Uh, they didn't provide any export settings. And so I exported in 16 by 9 because that's exactly what everybody always, not always, but that's exactly what everybody uses. Um, and then they the it, they just squeeze the 16 by 9 into a 4 by 3 that then goes on a 16 by 9 TV. Literally <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. If you, if whoever came up with that system, if you come across this, change it. Like, or if you see them on the street, slap them. Like, it is it's 2022. Probably, it's probably because it costs next to nothing. It's 2022. We're, we don't do 4x3 video on TVs anymore. They don't care. Unless it's an old Western that was shot on 4x3 film. And it's for nuance is why we're watching it that way. Yeah. Like and we're still mad about it, but we'll watch it. And if you are going to be 4x3, at least somewhere tell me. Like don't True. just don't just say hey yeah whatever, and then squeeze my stuff and then I don't and squeeze my stuff. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be squeezed. Don't squeeze my stuff. Yeah, don't squeeze my stuff. <laughs> don't freaking squeeze my stuff, oh. bro. All right, we're an hour um, and thirty into this. What else we got? We I'm almost, just uh, that. I know you got hot. You got full mat on <laughs> just now. Can you imagine my surprise? No. Because like, I don't, obviously, I don't even have a cable TV subscription or whatever. Don't, membership. I doubt what anybody do here it? does. What do they call do you it? Have a, do you have a subscription? To, no, I didn't figure no. we did. So, nope. like, I don't actually physically watch any of the outdoor networks. I don't. Also, if I even if I had it, I probably wouldn't because I'd literally spend Get mad. all day. For, yeah, first of all, there's... Yelling at your television. There's a few shows that maybe I would potentially watch, but at the same time, I literally... Make the sh- like I make it all day, so I don't want to go home and yeah. then watch it. Again. Do we still have three questions? Yeah, they're not bad though. Okay, Lord God. Um, that one is done. See, we're working our way through. Um, so like I didn't even know that they were doing this, and then I was at a camp, and then I saw one of the shows that we had put on there. And I was like, "Is that for? Is that squeezed four by three? <laughs> I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever yeah. seen in my life. We worried and w- worked on this and, <laughs> and slaved nobody, over it. Yeah. And nobody even, like, after the first one was like, hey, it looks kind of funny. <laughs> like, everything looks like it's been squeezed. Nobody said that. Are you sure it wasn't somebody that just had their TV set to 4 by 3 and didn't know any better? I don't know. If it is, then I apologize for my outburst. Uh, I don't. Pursuit Channel still behind the, the times. Channel. Uh, this one is... This will take 10 seconds because I don't have any tips. Mass tracking tips. I seem to have to do it frame by frame. I don't do a lot of tracking, so I don't have a whole lot of tips for you. The best that I can tell you is that, honestly, it's probably just the footage. What is the question? Mask tracking tips. Oh, yeah. Good luck with that. Some footage. Try my best to not have to do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's the best tip I've got is if you know you're going to track it. When you start talking about tracking and keyframes, I'm like, ugh, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> like I can that, throw like up in that, my mouth. Like that uh Steve is it Steve Carell clip? Oh no, 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 no. No, it's not. It's not Steve Carell. It's uh um Jim Carrey. Where's like 
That GIF, you never seen it? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen it. It's from a very popular movie. I've seen movie. it, sure. You haven't? Hold on. Oh, God. Right What's the last seconds. question? The last question is, and this is probably actually a better question for you because you're the finder of people, uh, the people finder. Uh, best place to put your name out as a beginning editor? Definitely not on a bathroom stall with <laughs> your number underneath it. Um, <laughs> my advice is create a piece of work that tells a story, whether that's a reel, whether that's a show, whether that's a documentary, whether that's a film, it doesn't matter what it is. But within that body of work, whether it's one minute or an hour, make sure it tells a story and it accurately represents your skill level. And what I mean by that is if you send, I have people send me stuff all the time. If you send me a montage, I'm not going to be impressed how well it was shot because that doesn't tell me that you're an editor. That tells me you know how to put clips in a timeline over music. If you send me something with a bunch of voiceover, I'm not going to be impressed because that's not hard. We kind of hit on these all these things already. If you send me something that shows me you know how to change pace, you know how to work with dialogue, you know how to duck your audio, you know how to work music in, you know how to do the basic building blocks of what a solid editor needs to be able to do, I will guarantee you there's a job for you somewhere in this industry right now. But that is something that Hmm. takes time to learn how to do. Um, It's not something you're going to start out learning how to do if you're... And it also... It also depends on what your goals are. If you're like Hunter and you want to get a job in this industry, either as a freelance person working for a company like Copeland Creative or, you know, regardless of what that final goal is, if this is, if the goal of sending in footage to me or to someone like me is to get a job where you make money, then you have to create a skill set that, is transferable to where I don't have to hold your hand because I can't hand an edit to somebody and then sit there over their shoulder and watch them do every second of it. I just don't have time, nor does Ryan, nor does Clay, nor does Keegan. Um, This industry is very competitive, but it is growing and expanding every day. So if you learn how to do the basic things in editing and you are teachable, coachable, can take constructive criticism and you're a good person, um, I think you have you have an opportunity to do well. Um, but in order to like get your name out there, create a create a create a body of work that accurately describes what your skill level is, and send it to anybody you can absolutely send it to. Write an nice email. Hey, this is you know John Smith. You know this is something I've been working on for a long time. Um, would love to get your opinion on kind of you know how I'm doing. Um, if you guys are ever in need of any help or know of any opportunities, please let me know. Leave your link there. And I've had that happen here a bunch. Um, I've had people send me things. I literally have a, I can tell you what it's called on my email here in a second. I literally have a, a folder in my email called editors and freelancers. Like if I ever needed something. Um, and I have them kind of categorized, categorized in a way like, skill level like this guy's like if we have a gigantic project like this is the guy you call 
if we have something quick and easy and quick and dirty that needs to be turned and burned that we don't have time for, this is the guy. If we need freelance guys outside the scope of the freelance guys we're already using, this is a guy to call or a girl. Um, so it's, I have a, a library of that, and I would think that any other producer worth their salt or a production company worth their salt would have that as well. Um, but, and I've said this before, it's the same way I got in this history. It's what Hunter's doing right now. You got to work for free a little bit. Um, I worked for free for two years. Spent a lot of my own money. Hunter's currently spending a lot of his own money driving back and forth up here almost every day. Um, it's just like any other job. I mean, we. I mean, Hunter's been around us enough now. It's like, do we take ourselves very seriously? <laughs> you guys very serious. You guys <laughs> very serious individual. Right? <laughs> yeah. We we have a good time. Yeah. We we right now it's actually, I guess, quote unquote, our downtime, which we still have projects going on. But, like, I'm kind of in the mode, and I'm trying to help Hunter at the same time, but, like, I'm kind of in the mode where, like, I'm planning for the fall. I'm going through proposals of things that are coming down the pike. I'm working on social media. We're working on, you know, some other brands that we're working with. I'm planning for how do, how do we continue to grow as a company, and that's kind of where I've had to put a lot of my focus. Um, and we've kind of got people all over the place right now with – you know, Clay's moving. I'm trying to move. You know, Keegan's moving here. So it's you know, there's a lot of everybody's moving. everybody's moving. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like it's 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 there's a lot of crap going on that is normally not happening here. So we're kind of discombobulated as it is. But um, I think if you're trying to get your name out there, uh, put your nose to the grindstone, learn the basics, and then. First of all, be humble and not have to work for free a little bit. But there's there's always opportunities. I get, I mean, over a year's time, I mean, there's opportunities that happen all the time of people that need help or need a freelance guy or want to hire somebody full-time. There's lots of people want to hire people full-time now because it is it is more expensive to hire a production company. It is. Um, but there are a lot of also added benefits that come with a production company. You get an entire team. Um, whereas you hire one full-time person, it's like, yeah, you got one person, but you have one person. Um, so there's, there's pros and cons to everything, but, uh, get your name out there. I would, I, I, I send emails. I have a list of people in my phone that I follow up with all the time still, you know, ask them if they need anything. Can I, you know, they want to see any of our recent work, this, that, and the other people that I've stayed in contact with for 10 years. Um, answer your phone. Be a good person. We've been through this a million times. It's not rocket science. Is that it? Yeah? Yeah, I mean. Yeah? Yeah, I was trying to think if there's anything of value, but, like, I'm not the people finder. <laughs> so, like, um, like what you said, this is the first time I've ever even heard of this list. I didn't know you had uh, this list. I got a list. I'm about to send him an email so that he keeps me in there. And I want to make sure. <laughs> I just want to see. I'm gonna sneak into your email and see where I'm I've where got, I'm categorized on this list, dude. I've got lists <laughs> and and notes. And do you have oh, no idea about? I yeah, I'm reference so sure. them reference them daily. I this is uh, that's why that you have El Presidente behind <laughs> your name, <laughs> and I don't. Well, uh, Hunter, anything else you got before we close her out? Shoot, no, man. That's uh, that's it. Yeah, that was actually that's a good wrap. podcast. That was Shoot. better than I thought it was gonna be. 
Yeah, I mean, it was very informative. I think there were some humorous moments. I think, I mean, really the ebb and flow, I think, was good. Um, I think we really had a nice rhythm. You know, some pace changes in there. Oh, God. All right. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Peace.